today on Ag News Daily. Our mission is to support rural communities in agriculture in good times and bad. And certainly the last few years have been pretty tough in agriculture. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. We've got a great conversation with Todd Van Hoos of Farm Credit Council coming up. But before that, we've got to talk about some news, don't we, Mike? We do, and it is indeed a Friday, Delaney, for commodity producers. Every market is in the green today. We've got uh, basically just an incredible reversal off of yesterday's WASDE report that we talked about. And uh, holy buckets, it is, it is certainly a fun way to end the week. And a lot of this is being driven by two major stories mm-hmm. going on right now. The first one. Of course, the blizzard up there in the Dakotas. was speaking with a grower in north-central South Dakota earlier today. He said already they've gotten 10 inches of snow, and he's not even in the worst of it. The worst of it, they're expected to get 16 to 24 inches mm. up in uh, central, eastern, central North Dakota, which, holy cow, they're talking 52-mile-an-hour wind gusts. I mean, it's a, it's a mess up there in corn that's only 22% mature. Yeah. It is a mess up there. I feel sorry for those folks getting some snow. I mean, I walked outside today, and it was a crisp 35 degrees in central Iowa. So, Wow, that is brisk. I woke up this morning, and it was like 67 here in Chi-Town. But now it has dropped to something like 48, and it's just protected to keep dropping. This cold front is working its way across the country. And uh, freeze warnings are being issued in a lot of places in the Corn Belt right now. So the growing season is coming to an end. Yes, yes it is. So So that's one story, Delaney. Yeah, I'm guessing the other story, Mike, is the export sales that we've seen heading out to China and the Chinese negotiations are the other thing to spark the markets today. Yes. So do you have any updates for us? What have you heard, Delaney Howell? Absolutely. I've got some updates The USDA reported nearly 400,000 metric tons of new soybean purchases on Thursday. And let me find the number because I know they also had a really large, um, let's see, delivery, 123,400 metric tons of pork for delivery in 2020 as well, which gave the pork markets an extra boost today. It did. It did. We opened with a gap higher, and now we're we're coming up. Or, and, oh well, I guess we closed, didn't we? Um, we closed at uh, just shy of seventy bucks. So yeah, yeah. Things things are just rocking and rolling all day. I'm just upbeat, which is fun, given the fact that it's gray and rainy and crappy. But with the green on the screen, it makes it a little more, a little more exciting. Um, we did have some other commodity-related news. This is not ag commodities, but it is commodities, and this is in the crude oil market. Um, Crude oil prices rose 2% earlier today after Iranian media said an Iranian oil tanker was attacked in the Red Sea near Saudi Arabia. Um, And, you know, so that's what the heck's going on there in the Red Sea. That's raised some concerns, and that's uh, crude prices jump a little bit. So really, it was just a bullish day across the board in the commodities markets. Well, it's an exciting Friday then for sure, isn't it? It is, and it's going to get more exciting. Unfortunately, it will be after we have already recorded the podcast, but Chinese Premier, Vice Premier, Liu He, is uh, still, as far as I'm aware, scheduled to meet with President Trump at 2.45 Eastern this afternoon, and then 
we should get confirmation on some kind of a trade thing. We don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, a lot of speculation, like I've speculated before, is that it's going to be a smaller mini deal like it has been with Japan. Right, right. At least something to get some headlines. And we know that they want our soybeans, obviously, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. We know that they want our pork. Um, They just need more pork. So I've got to imagine they're going to be excited to get some of those purchases on the books. And you got to imagine President Trump would love to go back to farmers and say, hey, you know, we've kind of repaired some of the damage that has been done with, uh, with China. Yeah, and Mike, speaking of President Trump, I have a special... Well, it was through the National Association of Farm Broadcasters. They had a chance to put together this short message from President Trump geared towards farmers during this harvest season. So let's play that quick message now. Hello, this is President Trump speaking to you from the Oval Office at the White House. At this very busy time of the year for our nation's farmers, I want to wish you all a safe and bountiful harvest And thank you for the hard work you do every single day of your life to feed, clothe, and fuel America. You're outstanding people. You're our finest. From my first day in office, we have never stopped fighting for American farmers, ranchers, and growers. We are reversing decades of failed trade policies to give you the level playing field that you deserve. Only days ago, I signed a new trade agreement with Japan that slashes barriers for the export of American agriculture. We have negotiated with the European Union to increase exports of American soybeans and increase American beef exports 180 percent. We are replacing NAFTA with the brand-new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. The USMCA will end unfair trade barriers for our farmers and expand export markets for agricultural products from coast to coast. Now it is time for Congress to finally approve this deal. We completely renegotiated the U.S.-Korea trade agreement, which was a disaster before I got involved, and secured new market access for American agriculture. My administration has also lifted Argentina's longtime bans on American pork and beef. And we opened markets in Australia, South Africa, Tunisia, Thailand, and all around the world. At the same time, we are taking long overdue steps to end decades of chronic Chinese trading abuses. After China sought to punish our farmers and ranchers, my administration responded with up to $28 billion in relief. That's a record, and it's the first time it's ever been done by a president. America will always stand strong with our farmers, and we will not let other countries push us around anymore. We've taken it for a long time, but it's not happening anymore. In everything we do, we are defending your jobs, your industry, and your cherished way of life. Our historic tax cuts slashed small business taxes and virtually eliminated the unfair estate tax known as the death tax. Now your family farm can stay in the family. Your sons, your daughters, they won't have to go out and borrow money from a bank in order to pay estate taxes. It's a big thing that a lot of people don't notice, but ultimately, they're all noticing what I did. To stop Washington from micromanaging every drainage ditch, puddle, and pond on your property, We eliminated the ridiculous Waters of the United States rule. When I did that, I figured I'd take a lot of heat 
because the title is good, but that's about the only thing that's good in it. It was very unfair. They were taking your property. They were closing your businesses. We ended it. I signed a historic farm bill increasing the amount that farmers can borrow to improve and expand their businesses. We lifted restrictions on ethanol to allow the sale of E15 all year round. Nobody else would have done it. Nobody else even came close. Only days ago, my administration announced an agreement on the renewable fuel standard. We will increase the volume of ethanol we blend into our fuel above 15 billion gallons, ensuring certainty for American producers. It's another thing that nobody else would have ever done for our farmers. Working with Congress, we have secured billions of dollars in relief for rural communities suffering from natural disasters and recent catastrophic flooding. Whether it's Iowa or Nebraska or any place else, you've suffered and we're taking care of it. American farmers are the stewards of a priceless tradition that has shaped our nation from the very, very beginning. You pour your heart, sweat, and soul into the soil of this country. You have always been loyal to America, and my administration will forever be loyal to you. I will not forget what you did for me in 2016, and you will not forget what I'm doing for you ever since. We will always stand by your side, and we will bring about a future of even greater prosperity, security, and freedom. Thank you, and may God bless you all. Well, it's always nice to hear President Trump has some comments to farmers, wishing them a safe harvest season and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fine sentiment. Uh, I think I personally would be happier to hear a message that they're going to drastically mm-hmm. reduce the amount of SREs issued in uh, President Trump's EPA. But, you know, you can't, uh, can't tell the president what to say. No, you cannot. Well, but, what other news do you have for us, Delaney? Well, since, since we were talking there just about Japan... We, of course, have the Japanese trade deal somewhat in effect. We've seen both uh, the U.S. and Japan sign it, but we're waiting to see Japan's version of Congress ratify it. However, the starting date, the intended starting date, is to go into effect on January 1st, which is also something we already knew. But we now have official confirmation that this trade deal would lower U.S. beef tariffs heading to Japan. Currently, they're at about 38.5%, and they are anticipated to drop to at least 26.6% here starting January 1st, which makes it comparable to the agreement or the arrangement we would have gotten under the TPP agreement. Yes, which is great news. It'll help uh, help keep that high-quality U.S. protein moving into Japan. Yes, it will. Well, as long as we're talking Asian, and my head has been fixated on trade all day, so listeners, that's the bulk of my news, and I wish we had an actual deal to announce, but we'll we'll get there. We did get one positive uh, piece of information out earlier today. According to a reporter from CNN, uh, Beijing, the Communist Party in China, has officially invited uh, U.S. trade rep Bob Lighthizer and Steven Mnuchin and their teams to come to Beijing and continue these trade talks. So at least anything they talked about today didn't result in, uh, you know, blows being thrown at one another, and uh, progress will continue. Progress will continue indeed. Well, I tell you what, should we talk about the progress in the markets today, Delaney? 
Well, I have one other quick Fry-yay news piece here if we're all done with the serious stuff. Absolutely. Okay, well, tomorrow, Saturday, is National Farmer's Day. So happy National Farmer's Day to everybody listening. And in to celebrate this happy National Farmer's Day, Chobani, the yogurt company, is launching a new flavor tomorrow called the Farmer Batch, which actually sounds and looks really good. It's a cookies and cream ice cream. But 10 cents of every sale that happens tomorrow will go to the American Farmland Trust, which will use that money to help farmers with micro grants to transfer or protect their land to strengthen their farm business. So Very it not cool. only helps the what's dairy the, uh, industry, what's but... What's the flavor co- uh, called? Yep, it's called Farmer Batch, but it there's a picture ah. of it, and it's just a cookies and cream. It looks kind of like a cow. The packaging looks like a cow. So it's really cute. Cookies and cream flavored yogurt. I think it sounds pretty good. Gotcha. I had some Chobani for lunch, and I tell you what, there's a fantastic statistic, and listeners, Google this, don't take my word for it, but the popularity of Greek yogurt over the past couple years has really helped uh, dairy producers Hmm. sell a lot more fluid milk because it uses so much more whole milk in its production. Um, And I forget the number, but it was a staggering amount of of how much more milk is being used in yogurt production because so many people have made the switch to Greek yogurt. Absolutely. I like it myself. Well, good. Well, I'm I'm ambivalent on it. I like okay. sugar-filled, you know, basically ice cream in a, a melty well, base. Well, they have, like, the Chobani ones that have flavors, and then they also have Chobani flippables, which has, like, things you can those dump are into good. your yogurt. Yeah, those yeah. are my favorite. Well, my favorite is seeing our farmer friends be able to get a little closer or hopefully up over break even when the market rallies like it did today. What do you say, Delaney? Should we see where the market closed? Let's do it. All right, folks, as I mentioned, up across the board, corn market wiped out all of yesterday's losses and then some. The December contract was up 17 and three quarter cents, finished the day at 398 even. March was up 16 and a quarter to finish at 407 and three quarters. In soybeans, the November contract up 14 and three quarter cents, finished at 938 and a quarter. January contract up 12 and a quarter to close the day at 949 and three quarters. Chicago wheat, also really one of the leaders today. The December contract was up 17 and a quarter cents at 510 and a quarter. March up 13 and three quarters, finished at 513 and a half. And we saw the rallies continue, granted to a little bit less of an extent in the livestock industry. In the live cattle complex, December cattle up 72 and a half cents at 112.15. The Feb up 77.50 to finish at 118.05. In feeders, November contract up 12 and a half cents at 144.25. January up a nickel, finished the day at 140.47.50. And lean hogs, the December contract up a dollar twelve fifty to close at one. Excuse me, at, ooh, close at sixty nine sixty. The February contract up a dollar seventeen half to finish the day at seventy seven oh five. And dairy wasn't left out today either. October class three milk contract up a penny at eighteen sixty four. November up eleven cents on the day, finished up at eighteen seventy three. Without further ado, let's throw it to our interview for this final Friday of the week. Well, we are continuing our discussion of the health of rural America and farm economy today with Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of Farm Credit Council. Todd, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to join. Todd, give us the overview for those folks. Hopefully most of our listeners know what Farm Credit Council is and maybe use the services, but if they don't, fill us in. Give us the 10,000-foot view of what you guys do. 
Well, Farm Credit Council is the, is the representative organization for the farm credit system. The farm credit system is a, uh, a network of 73 independently cooperatively owned lending institutions that primarily lend to farmers and ranchers, uh, agribusiness, uh, rural infrastructure, rural housing, basically agriculture and rural communities. And have been, we've been around for about 100 years. And in terms of farm loans, we hold probably about 40% of the farm lending market. And so we, we are a major uh, farm lender. So in your role as a farm lender, of course, the, the system is, is tied to rural America. Uh, we've been seeing a couple years of, of down incomes, of folks struggling a little bit. What's, the, what's your take on the health of rural America here as we sit in 2019? Well, uh, look, we're, we're very focused on this, right? I mean, our mission is to support rural communities in agriculture in good times and bad. And certainly the last few years have been pretty tough in agriculture. I think everybody knows that, that farm income is down and projected to stay down uh, well below the historical you know, 10, 12, 15, 20-year averages. And, and for a lot of farmers, this is the fourth or even fifth year of, of truly low prices um, when you compound that with some of the uh, sort of terrible weather situations we've had, from hurricanes to flooding to drought, all across almost every section of the country has been hit by some uh, terrible weather situation in the past three or four years. Um, all that combined is making it very tough for farmers out there. Uh, you know, somewhat balancing some of that, right? We've got a pretty good job situation in the economy, so. So the state of the general economy has been strong for the past number of years, but agriculture has been the outlier in that bit. And Todd, I want to ask a little bit, you're out there in Washington, D.C., you maybe get a different perspective than some of the folks here back in farm country, but we've been discussing the idea pretty heavily on the podcast, especially over the past couple of months, whether or not we are heading into either a U.S. economic recession or even possibly a global economic recession do you see that happening? Do you see indications of that out there in Washington, D.C., of folks concerned that that's around the corner for us? We certainly hear a lot of talk about that. I mean, I listen to a lot of economists debate that question. I don't, I don't think I can add much to are we going to have a recession or not. But, but certainly in agriculture, we feel like we've been in one for a while. Um, you know, you, you see all this positive economic news coming out of the the money markets and things like that in big cities. And I think that overlooks the issues that are facing rural America. I mean, it's been very tough out there for a long time. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, though, you know, strong job data, right? We still have very low unemployment. Um, I, I don't think anybody sees that changing dramatically anytime soon. Um, but still, uh, if you're a farmer out there, you're struggling to make ends meet. You're struggling to find profitability in this market. Now, another factor of that is, of course, interest rates. We've seen the Fed look to, uh, to drop rates again, looking from your perspective. What are your thoughts here? Are we going to see rates continue to fall throughout the rest of the year? You know, I, I would I would never hazard a guess on the direction of interest rates, especially in this environment. I mean, everybody assumes the Fed may may ease again. Uh, certainly, there was a divided vote in the Fed last time, so I you know I got I have no reason to believe that won't continue. But at the same time, you know what we're really seeing is a historically low period of interest rates. You think back the last ten years, 
about how rate how low interest rates really are and you know the fed easing a quarter raising a quarter i, I don't think that's going to really change the basic fundamental fact that these are historically low interest rates and and those low interest rates are are giving farmers some breathing room uh, you know, a lot of us uh, got our start in agriculture back in the 80s, and we remember interest rates in the teens and even north of the teens. And so now when you're talking about interest rates well below 5% in most places, um, that's pretty good. It is pretty good, Todd. But like you said, we've got kind of a mixed bag in agriculture being in what you called kind of a recession period here with these lower interest rates, but also producers' balance sheets tightening up, do you see them continuing to borrow capital, borrow money for new equipment, et cetera? We do. Uh, you know, you know we, we, we like to say we're leaning into this. Our, our farm credit system is putting more money out into agriculture uh, every year. And so we've already seen loan growth this year. Oh, I would say in, in gross loans in the farm credit system, probably up, uh, let's call it $16 billion um, from a year ago. So, you know, comparing July to July, we're, we're looking at about $16 billion in, in loan increases from the farm credit system. Not all of that directly to farmers. Some of that's infrastructure and other things. But we are seeing farmers continue to have uh, a demand for lending. Um, we're seeing some of that change a little bit, right? We, we're seeing uh, maybe a slower uh, uh, land purchasing situation when we are, but we're seeing a lot of more operating lending. Uh, so it's been a mixed bag, but overall still continues to be a pretty decent demand for, for agricultural loans out there. Now, I want to pick up on something you mentioned there, and I'm just going to ask you a question that I have had a lot of producers ask me, which is, when are land values going to start to correct? We know farmers' balance sheets are tightening. We know rates are still good for getting out there and buying some ground. But my goodness, land prices have stayed resilient even in the face of this downturn in agriculture. We, we, we've been frankly amazed at that. You know, it, it is one of the, the, the real reasons that farmers haven't been impacted more than they have because, you know, they've got some equity. Uh, they've, you know, farmers sitting out there on a lot of land, that land is, is largely holding its value. And so that's giving people some reason to, or, or at least some ability to weather this, uh, uh, hopefully, temporary income storm. Um, but that can't go on forever. You know, you, you can't just watch equity wash away uh, and as a long-term viability plan out there. And so this is getting tough. We're seeing working capital get lower out there as multiple years of, of uh, either low or no profits continue. And so we're concerned. Um, but like say, like you said, amazingly almost, the, the value of real estate has stayed pretty strong. Um, and, and we don't see that changing at the moment. Todd, this is always a tough subject to talk about in agriculture, but as we do continue to see those margins decrease, the balance sheets tightening. We've seen a lot of farms having to face a difficult decision of what do they do in this time of adversity. Have you guys had to deal with a lot of loan repayments that maybe have gone in default or some folks that have had troubles in farm country paying back loans? We, we really have not seen... Um, things get to the, to the degree you, you might think, right? So 
are we seeing some deterioration in balance sheets? Are we seeing some deterioration in working capital levels? Absolutely. Um, farmers have had multiple years of, of very tough income, you know, low profitability, no profitability, some loss. Uh, and, and that takes its toll. At the same time, we're not seeing a big spike in delinquencies or um, other defaults on loans. So people are sort of treading water. Now, now I say that with the full realization that, that even though statistically speaking, we're not seeing big increases in, in troubled loans, Look, if it's your troubled loan, it's a problem, right? I mean, the, the individual personal impact on this situation just shouldn't be overlooked because if, if it's your farm and you're having trouble making those payments, why, well, it's a crisis. And so there's a real uh, personal, emotional, family impact on that, that that is you really just can't understate. At the same time, when you take a step back and look at it from a 50,000-foot from a level, you don't see the kind of delinquencies that you might have expected to see. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, some of that we look at and say, this is attributable to off-farm income, right? I mean, a lot of uh, farmers out there have off-farm income. Um, maybe there's a spouse who has a job in town. Maybe that helps them pay the medical bills, uh, insurance, all things like that. And, and so that's giving some people some space. But but as I said, you, you can't substitute credit for income long term. I mean, this is tough. And so farm credit has been going out there and, and we visit people's farms. We sit down and talk with them about, okay, what, what can we do? What can you do to find some way to, 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 to rein in expense, to, to maximize uh, marketing opportunities when they occur, to, to make sure you've got working capital, uh, you know, change the operation to, to, to meet today's realities in hopes that we can get through this and get to the other side of a, of a brighter uh, agricultural picture. I mean, I, I, I don't ever want to overlook that long term, we're really bullish on agriculture. I mean, th this planet's hungry and growing. And, and U.S. agriculture still is the preeminent producer in the world. And so, we're very hopeful long term we get back to some balance here, but right now it's it really is kind of hunker down and, and get customers through this. Well, and before we let you go, Todd, when you think ahead to that future that does look pretty bullish for the world of agriculture, particularly U.S. agriculture, what are your thoughts or your insights for young producers, young people getting out of college, maybe getting out of high school, wanting to get into agriculture, but being stymied by the high price of farm ground, both to rent and to buy, and low commodity prices? What's their you know, best that, path forward? I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the, the flip side of uh, strong land prices, right, that, that are giving existing customers the ability to weather this storm, right, they, they've got some equity is that those high prices are really hard barrier for young producers to get into. Um, I, I, we do we do have aggressive uh, young beginning and, and small farmer programs to try to encourage folks, but we have seen demand for young and beginning loans decrease a little bit, frankly. Um, and it's because of uh, you know a low income, sort of projection and, and, and some of these prices being barriers to entry. So I think that's a very real thing out there. Uh, we try to offset that some with educational programs, with, 
um, you know, other types of incentive programs that would help young farmers get involved. But still, the, the fundamental economics have to be there. And so um, it's tough right now. Now, that said, you know, you know, farming is not the only part of agriculture, right? And so there, there are opportunities for young people in all kinds of agriculture. You think about the science of agriculture. You think about the technology in agriculture. All of those things offer great opportunities for people with a passion for agriculture. Absolutely that they do. Todd Van Hoos, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us today. Thank you. Absolutely, folks. Be prepared for Sunday's Open in the Grains. If we do get some kind of a trade deal with China, you can always follow us on our social media pages. We will keep you updated. Search for Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will be there. Or visit our website at agnewsdaily.com. Connect with us. Connect with other podcasters who are part of the Global Ag Network. With that, Delaney Howell, should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.